Hey, you're listening to this episode because maybe you're just getting started in your dental photography journey. Well, you're in luck because very soon I'm going to release the 21-day photography challenge. In this challenge, I'm going to send you 21 emails across 21 days and everyone will have a short video, something that you can action upon every single day so that by the end of the 21 days, you can take good, consistent, clear and reproducible photographs in general practice using a DSLR camera. So if this is the kind of thing that you've been waiting for, this is the kind of thing you need uh, at very small um, uh, cost actually, uh, it's not going to be like a full-on course. This is just to get you started so you can take the basic photos really well. Something that we all need help at first getting started. I wish I had a resource like this when I was getting started. Anyway, if you want to join us, head to protrusive.co.uk forward slash challenge and then you'll be notified as soon as it comes out. So again, it's protrusive.co.uk forward slash challenge. Anyway, let's see this episode with Dr. Devigus. So once you buy the camera, the second barrier I find dentists have in terms of actually picking up and using it is because they've never devoted the time to actually sit down and learn what is the aperture, what is the ISO, why is this relevant, and then what they do is they just haphazardly put it on auto and they take photos and they get uh, unpredictable, inconsistent results, they get frustrated. Welcome to the Protrusive Dental Podcast, the forward-thinking podcast for dental professionals. Join us as we discuss hot topics in dentistry, clinical tips, continuing education, and adding value to your life and career. With your host, Jazz Gulati. When I qualified as a dentist and I got my first ever paycheck, the first thing I did was buy a camera. Like, yes, it was used because I need to save money, but it was the first purchase because I knew I was taught by some mentors that to take good dental photographs is so, so important to your career development, and I cannot echo this enough. So today, I'm joined by Dr. Alessandro Devigas, the chap who owns Dentist Camera Instagram page. He's a world-leading expert on dental photography, and we're gonna cover the basic settings, uh, how to get consistency in photos, and all the best tips to help you get started in dental photography. So if you're not already taking photos, you hopefully will be by the end of this episode feeling more confident to start picking up the camera and, and taking more shots and becoming more consistent and a better dental photographer. Again, this is another episode as part of the Back to Basics series of August and this has been uh, incredibly popular. I've been amazed at the comments. Uh, I had one dentist, let's have a look. On one of the previous episodes, I had Brendan Parker comment on the YouTube channel saying, hey Jazz, just found this series and love it. I wish I had this 20 years ago. Uh, and honestly, I didn't know the impact of such a, a back to basic series would have, but you know, it's, it's amazing. And thank you so much for, for joining me in these episodes. I hope you're finding real value from them. Now, I'm going to give you the protrusive dental pearl. So if you're new to the podcast, uh, I give you a protrusive dental pearl in every main episode, and then we'll join the main interview with Dr. Alessandro Devigas. So the protrusive dental pearl I have for you is that on the comments below in YouTube or on the website protrusive.co.uk under this episode, I will have you ready to download the AACD dental photography guide. Now what this is, and I found this really useful back in 2013 when I qualified, uh, the first purchase I made was it was a camera uh, because I valued how important dental photography was uh, and uh, to, to go along with it to help teach me the settings I needed and what equipment I needed for every single photography shot, uh, I got hold of the AACD photo guide. So I've attached that uh, for you to download and you should totally have this document at hand when you start taking dental photographs because it'll help you to 
to, to remember your settings uh, and eventually that will become second nature and you won't need to rely on it anymore. But as a beginner's guide, I think it's really good. And obviously with being the AACD, it's world famous. The BACD also have one, but this is the real famous one. The other thing to check out if you haven't already as part of the protrusive file is the most difficult photo to take is the occlusal photograph, okay? And one of my most popular YouTube videos is how to take an occlusal photograph. So if you haven't already seen it, click below in the description or go on the website and I'll make sure I link that YouTube video on how to take really crisp, really clear, really consistent occlusal photographs. Let's join the main episode now with Dr. Alessandro Devigas, who's gonna help us become better at our dental photography. Dr. Alessandro Devigas, thank you so much for coming to the Protrusive Dental Podcast again. We had you recently for a group function about which camera should I buy? And you uh, amazed me, but you also surprised me with your recommendation for a mirrorless. And I'm so excited to have you now uh, for a two-part series. So uh, this episode is about the basics, like getting started with dental photography. It's an episode the Protrusorati have been asking for since the inception of this podcast. And I know you will do it justice. Um, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing fine. In Switzerland, we are um, getting better and better. We, we, we start with the vaccination. Uh, we start to, uh, getting, uh, getting uh, let's say, almost normal situation and hoping to uh, open up restaurants and, uh, and do more to more what we used to do in the past. And how is your clinic? Is it uh, full flow, busy uh, again? My dental clinic uh, never really had a breakdown. We we just we had a lockdown where we were forced to close our clinics for two for two months almost. Uh, in the dental in the dental work, I don't see any decline in work. So people need and and uh, I tell you, in bad times, people look more after their health, and so health healthcare it's they don't look after serious diseases. Our son working at Roche, he told me. Uh, cancer treatments have been postponed. Uh, people are not going to the hospital if they feel a little bit of heart problems. But overall, people want to be healthy because then you're ready to face a crisis. This is why maybe the, the share price of a Peloton, the, the, the sort of uh, the spin at home has, has been climbing, climbing. So many people are jumping on that. And I agree with you. I think people are, uh, are looking at how to improve their physical health in whatever way they can. So that's inspiring, I guess. Um, just so, as a bit of an introduction for those people who maybe haven't listened to that episode, uh, the group function that we did, uh, just introduce yourself and why you are so knowledgeable on cameras in relation to, to dentistry and beyond. Well, my, my history with dental photography started more than 20 years ago. I was an analog photographer in the early days. And in 1999, so 22 years ago, Nikon introduced their first digital SLR camera. And I was really happy. And uh, it was a coincidence that I got one of the first cameras to try it out in the dental surrounding. It was not easy because everybody was telling me, yeah, it's the same as the analog, just uh, mount, your, mount your flash, mount your lens. And instead of having a film, you have a sensor and it's, everything is the same. But it, it really, it wasn't. So I, I was really struggling. I had to learn. I had to do trial and errors. But it was also an interesting time in connecting with the Nikon company, talking to the engineers, uh, professors from universities coming to my office. Oh, this guy has something new, a digital camera. Uh, and, um, and it was exciting because uh, it gave me opportunities to share my, my knowledge, my passion. Uh, I, I got in touch with the ITI 
uh, I was able to really travel around the globe teaching people on how to use a camera. So you were like a, a pioneer when it came to the use of uh, digital dental photography, it sounds like. Just just a bit of historical perspective. How much did you pay for your first camera setup? I, th I think that'll be interesting to know. I had to promise my wife not to buy a digital camera before the price was below 10000 so I looked already before that. So Kodak, in cooperation with Nikon, came up with a digital camera who was, I, I don't know, 20, a huge thing, uh, but at 40,000. So my wife told me, no, 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 no. That's too expensive. Don't, this, is, this is a gadget that I don't allow you to buy. So and then in 1999, the Nikon came up with this camera at 9,999 Swiss francs. <laughs> and this was, this was it. So this was the time to start and uh, explore this exciting new technology. I think the number one uh, objection or the reason why the newly qualified dentist or, or will not buy the camera initially is because of the expense. They can't justify it yet. And what happens, I believe, is that they don't buy it for after year one. They don't buy it after year two. And then they, they're not taking photos, not used to it. And then to learn that skill is, is too much out of their comfort zone. So many dentists will go throughout, unfortunately, a large proportion of their career without taking dental photography. And I, I do think maybe it starts with um, this mindset that the camera is too expensive. But when you put that into perspective like you have, today's cameras are, are super affordable and, and super good. Absolutely. But still, but still, I don't know why the first question or one of the first questions I always get asked, what's the price? And if you say, well... And today I can tell you, we, you can have a decent, a decent uh, dental photography setup for 1,500. So with, with a camera, a, a, a good macro lens and a flash. But if you go into high end, then you easily spend 4,000, 5,000. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why dentists always talk too much about money in relation. If you, if you buy a tool and you know that this tool can help you, I would say you have to look on a longer term than just saying, okay, I don't want to spend. It's interesting. Dentists buy things that are less than 1,500 on an emotional way. So if a, if a nice looking girl come in, comes into the office and says, hey, doctor, I have some nice gadgets for you. And, and the doctor asks the girl, uh, how much is it? Yeah, it's 1,400. And, and then doctor says, okay, I buy it. If the price is 5,000, even if it's a nice and convincing girl or a convincing nice young man then you say oh, oh i have to think about so that the, the there's a barrier and especially i don't I, I think not only in dentistry where you where you select where you say yes to something and where you say oh i have to think about which is basically no it's like maybe the maybe mm -hmm. that in some cases is a no in other cases is a yes are you enjoying the Protrusive Dental Podcast? Well, allow me to deliver you even more value. You can now download the iOS or Play Store app for free. Just search Protrusive on your app platform. Now, if you're a true Protrusive and you want to support the podcast, you want to claim CPD for all the listening and watching that you do, you want to get access to exclusive clinical walkthrough videos to make dentistry tangible, as well as a premium newsletter, access to the Protrusive Vault, and the ability to download all the clinical videos and podcast videos so you can view them offline later, you can get all of that for less than 15 tax-deductible dollars per month. So what are you waiting for? Download the Protrusive app now on iOS or Android for absolutely nothing. We work so hard on this Protrusive team and I know you're just going to love it. Now back to the main episode. 
But again, coming back to this, it's, it's worth to invest money into a photographic equipment because it's the, the other side of how to look at your patients. So we have x-ray to look inside our patients and photography to look from the outside and diagnostics. Diagnostics is so important and it's not only because of smile design and all these digital gadgets around. It's looking at your patients, see what changes and this, this extra oral documentation I think is crucial. You don't have to do it with every patient. You don't have to take, I don't, people ask me, Hey, how many pictures are you taking? I don't take pictures all the time. The most important thing is, and we can jump into some uh, important tips and tricks already. The most important thing is every picture you didn't take is a missed one. That's number one. So what I recommend is at least if a new patient comes into your office, you don't even need to do a full status, but maybe let the patient open the mouth, do an overview, then you see the gingivitis or you see the status of the patient when he first stepped into your clinic. And these are very useful information also in the documentation, in the motivation of the patient, and maybe one month later, the patient comes with a broken tooth. So you have the initial situation still there. So what we used to do today is we do a lot of intraoral scans of patients mm -hmm. because it's very easy. So we take some, uh, maybe if the patient allows, we do a portrait, uh, relaxed and smiled. Then we do two, three intraoral and the rest is done by an intraoral scan. So we have the 3D models and we have everything. So this is also the future for me of the dental photostatus. Excellent. Well, uh, I think the people who listen to this podcast, to Patrice Rati, they're already converted. Most of them are good dentists who um, have already got cameras. But this episode is really for those people who are in that maybe category to just convince them. And maybe if you've recently bought a camera, maybe upon your advice, uh, Alessandro, recently from that previous episode we did, and they're just unhappy with the settings because the se so once you buy the camera the second barrier i find dentists have in terms of actually picking up and using it is because they've never devoted the time to actually sit down and learn what is the aperture what is the iso why is this relevant and then what they do is they just haphazardly put it on auto and they take photos and they get uh, unpredictable inconsistent results they get frustrated and then the camera collects dust again so hopefully with this episode we can cover some fundamentals of how to get more uh, consistent photography and just the basics of the settings uh, and why. So where should we start with this journey? So the first we have, we have bought the camera, we have the macro lens, we have the flash. Now the setup, uh, I think uh, ev everybody interested can, uh, can visit my Instagram account or send me, send me a message and I can share my, my one slide with a set with a summary of all the settings so go for manual and all the settings it's really easy it's an easy setup uh, look that your camera is able to save settings so all modern cameras have like uh, 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 numbers or letters where you can save presets so follow the basic settings i recommend or also others are recommending and then and then save these settings so if by if you have t if you take your camera home and you go back to your office that you just switch the button and you ha you will go back to the basic settings that's number 1 number 2 
if you're if you're really absolutely a beginner and have no clue on what you want, I would recommend a short private coaching. A short private coaching. This can be done online. I can I can do some advertisement. I do that and very successfully. So you don't you don't you don't need to spend hours. It's a really it's it's a, a short thing, and I experience this also in my workshops. It. Um, the workshop is nice to socialize, to do, but at the end, you have to tell people, now you have to go back to your office and practice. Um, some guy, some people are a little bit quicker. Uh, and the, the, it, it's the thing, if you look through your camera, you have to visualize what you want to capture. So the, the basic message, how to learn to take dental pictures is look through the viewfinder, frame what you want to see, and if you see in your viewfinder what you want to capture, then push the button. It's the same, it's the same when you are doing holiday pictures. How many people are walking around and randomly clicking on their phones and shooting hundreds and thousands of images, which is absolutely useless. I look through my camera and even if I take a picture with my iPhone or my smartphone, I look, at the, I look at the subject I want to take a picture of, I frame it. If I like it, I take a picture. If I don't like what I see, don't take the picture. And it's the same in dental. So you avoid, you avoid this initial frustration. So this is one, number one. Number two, the, the most common error people are doing is they don't go close enough to the patient. And this brings me back to the viewfinder. Look through the viewfinder. And if you want to take a picture from canine to canine, then if you don't see canine to canine on your viewfinder, don't take the picture. If you still have the half of the patient's face on your viewfinder and think, okay, ah, ah, I take the picture and then I do some Photoshop. This is waste of time. This is absolutely mm -hmm. waste of time. If you want to have fun with dental photography, do the right settings and then do the Click, click only if you see what you want to get. And these are the two key messages. And I can tell you, if you follow these, and no matter if you are trying to take pictures with mirrors or, or all this, uh, some people say complicated stuff. If you follow these very simple rules, you will see that it's fun and it's easy to learn. But at the end of the day, it's really practice, 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 practice. 100%. I, I just feel like I'm such a, so much better of a dentist from taking photography and reflecting on my work over time. And that's a given. Uh, and also when I when I bought my first DSLR, I started to actually use it outside of the clinic as well. And, it, you know, I think most dentists who are now comfortable in taking dental photography and, and doing well with that, they are also exploring the use of the camera outside the clinic. Uh, and it, it almost brings another dimension to your life and, and a hobby. And I, I know it affects uh, lots of people. I'm sure you're probably an avid photographer as well. Uh, and just so I can, um, so I don't forget, those settings that you suggested, I mean, I, I, I agree the way you said it because we want to be able to refer back to that because people who are driving right now or listening, there's no chance. If you say, oh, F22, ISO 200, you're not going to remember it. So it's so much better to have like a PDF or an image. So we're going to get that from your uh, Instagram handle. What is the Instagram handle again? 
it's dentist.camera. It's a great page. I love it. It's everyone who is taking photos, sharing their story, sharing their setup. Uh, every dentist has a story behind their camera setup and their photography. So it's a, it's a lovely page. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of it. Uh, so do check that out. And I'll, I'll grab the settings from you as well and put it on the show notes. So you can click on to that and then go to uh, Alessandro's page. So you've got the settings. So you're going to the first homework you have is to find the settings. OK, the second one is to practice and, and only take the photo when you are happy with the viewfinder. Now, one thing that we can tackle now, which I think will help um, dentists who are beginning with photography is the whole concept, like you said, about not getting close enough to the patient. So I think dentists need to understand that the magnification ratio that you select on your lens. So for example, for a crop sensor, it's three to one magnification, which would typically be. So that means that you when you want to take consistent photos, you don't mess with the lens anymore. You keep it to one place and you move in and out. And what you find dentists uh, when the beginning is they're doing this. They're doing, like, you see them do this sort of in and out, like a whole meter. But once you practice, 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 you'll just know a tiny bit of adjustment will do. Uh, and so can you just explain why they need to do that to get the right photo? It's, it's all about standardization. So what we are looking for, and there's, there's, especially on social media, there's a huge problem of too much artistic photography. I like artistic photography because it's fun and it's something to share and to, uh, to enjoy. But this is not the daily work. Daily work is to trying to be consistent, to be standardized, to be reproducible. And uh, that's correct what you were saying. All good macro lenses have a magnification ratio in, in, on, on top of them. So you can select already the magnification. So if you want to say, okay, I just want the two centrals, then go to one to one and, and go out the, 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 the further away you go from the patient. And then again, it's, if you have the same patient, it's, it's, it's framing, it's the distance is given by the, by the frame you want to capture. So I have like this, uh, include the lips, just uh, with the retractors in place, I want to see the full the full mouth. I just want to see canine to canine. I want to go go closer to my patient and just go into having one or two teeth on 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 that. And this this basically gives you the standard views with the standard magnifications. If you don't change uh, your your equipment uh, every other every other day, so that's why it's important to stay with. The same lenses, so fixed fixed lenses, fixed macro lenses, and and the camera can be changed over time. That's not an issue. You can also change the the, the your your light if you want to be more creative. Maybe we can talk about that in the next episode. There are different uh, lighting lighting options, but basically stick with the with with, with the lens. Uh, which offers a one-to-one -one magnification ratio. So this is also questions I get asked: Do I, why should I buy a, a macro lens? Can I? There are some zoom lenses out there where 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 I can have a macro options, but they don't have this one-to-one -one magnification ratio. So this is one piece. The most important piece of the equipment on dental in dental photography is the macro lens, allowing this reproducibility quality and makes make it making it easier at the end to get nice pictures 
I just thought it was worth mentioning because I have seen some dentists before using their cameras for the first time. And what they're doing is they're standing at a random distance from the patient and then they're moving their lens to put it in focus. But then <laughs> the next time you do it, then how will you ensure you are the same distance away? And they never get the standardization. They never get the consistency. So that's just like, you know, for to a lot of people that will sound very obvious. But if you're starting out, I'm sure that might uh, actually help you to realize that actually you need to set your magnification first, then move in and out. That's like the very basics of dental photography. Um, one question I want to ask is, I don't know how to split it in terms of this episode and the next episode, because I really want to just hammer down the basics so everyone's ready for that next episode a month later when we talk about the more, uh, definitely lighting, we can talk about next time, because lighting, softer lighting, dual flash, ring flash, we can talk about that. That's a bit more advanced, I think. Uh, but any tips that you can give to people in terms of... Um, Selection of materials. So, for example, when you get your camera set up, you also need to then invest in mirrors and retractors. So, which retractors and mirrors would you re recommend? Now, my personal favorite, Alessandro, is, uh, and you might disagree with me, and that's fine, is, the, is the, they're called the Columbia retractors. So, they're the metal ones. Um, I don't like the plastic ones because I find that I can't insert the occlusal mirror in with the plastic ones, it will, there's no space. But I like the ones which is just like the metal wire. And it's like, I think they're called the Columbia ones. I'm happy to put a photo up as I'm saying this at the moment. Uh, but but w which ones have you found work for you and your students? There's there's a huge, a large variety of mirrors and uh, and retractors out there. I have uh, I have posted uh, some tips and tricks on that, and I'm reposting this because this is a question I always or very often get. So basically, um, I go for these plastic retractors um, because we use a lot of them. So um, metal retractors, yes and no. A at the end, it's really a personal preference. It's really a personal preference. The most important thing is that you insert them correctly, that the patient is not pulling the retractors back. So to avoid that, that uh, with the retractors, you even get more, more uh, lips <laughs> and cheeks on your image than rather than taking them out of your image. With mirrors, uh, I'm, I'm a fan of uh, coated, coated mirrors, not metal mirrors. So glass, basically glass mirrors uh, that, that have a coating from, 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 they exist from different companies. So I, I was, I was with Filtrop, which is a, uh, a company in uh, close to Switzerland. They're producing mirrors for decades and they have a mirror system they introduced in, in the 1970s. Uh, this was done by a professor in Basel who was a periodontist. And when he, when he wrote his book, he was looking for good mirrors to do his clinical photography. And these are very old. I have, I have two or three kids in my office for over 20 years. So they're very re resistant. So, but again, in this short in this short time, it's it's too much information. So I would also here refer to uh, to some tips and tricks I have posted on my on my account, and at the end it really comes to personal preferences. What I do not recommend is don't go for colored retractors. So if you choose retractors, they should be almost let's say transparent or black. Um, very popular retractors are uh, uh, have a, a light blue. And you don't, you know, by the way, you know why they're light blue? I don't. If, if you put the transparent retractor in a disinfectant, it gets yellowish. So blue is the opposite color of yellow. So if something that is blue gets in a disinfectant, it's also, it, it, it also gets more yellow, but because being the, the, the opposite color, you don't see it so that, that quickly. 
So they look nicer over time. But at the end, <laughs> it's personal preferences. The only thing I don't go because there are some fancy uh, uh, colored retractors for, for children and for bleaching procedures, they might affect the colors of your photography. So I have found if you use this pink or uh, whatever colored retractors, they have an impact on the color of your photography. Right. Well, I'm just going to share. I'm going to show you uh, if you can see my screen in a moment. Uh, I'm going to show you the mirrors that, uh, sorry, the retractors that I like using. That they don't have. Uh, can can you can you see this, uh, Alessandra? Yeah, yeah, I see it. Yeah, yeah, I see it. I I have I have I have them I have them as well. The advantage is they um, <laughs> they last a lifetime. There's mm -hmm. no problem. But some patients have an issue, and uh, with this, especially if you have patient with a bit larger lips, the lips mm -hmm. overlap the retractor. So the, let's say a final, a final recommendation. There are two uh, forms of, uh, of retractors, C-shape and V-shape. So the mm -hmm. V-shape retractors allow much more retraction and are very, very uh, common used in uh, orthodontist uh, offices because then, especially for children who have really soft, let's say soft uh, tissues, you can, you can retract the cheek and do the lateral images without the use of a mirror. So that's a huge advantage. And so they are very popular in orthodontics. So, and then there are, there, are, uh, there are cheek retractors which have on one side the C-shape and the other side the V-shape form. So you have both just in one piece. So this would be something that for a beginner is, uh, is something to take a look into. Brilliant. Um, I just want to ask you, what are the other things? One of the questions I was going to ask is how to make your photos unique. But I think to make your photos unique, that might be more of an advanced technique. Now, let me tell you why I asked this, right? Because whenever I see photos from dentists that I admire, dentists I respect, like before I even read the name on Instagram or on Facebook, I know whose photo it is. Because every photographer, their, their photos, they have their the signature sort of lighting, the signature colors and stuff, right? So how do you go about developing your own style of photography? Because what you will provide us and what I will share with everyone is the standard settings. But then how do you suggest, because if everyone did that, then everyone's photos will look the same, right? So how can we add our own signature to our photography? This, this is a very good question. And my answer is the signature should only be in artistic photography. In every day, in daily documentation, all pictures of all dentists should look the same. It's like, it's like if you would ask me, oh, wow, I, 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 I immediately recognize who did this x-ray on this tooth because it has his <laughs> own style. That's his own style. Nobody's <laughs> discussing. Nobody's talking about individual style on taking x-rays. There's a standard. And, 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 <laughs> yeah. and, no, and it's really important. That's why this is a very great question. All pictures of clinical documentation of all dentists around the globe should look the same. If you want to stand out, clean the working field, avoid saliva bubbles, make it look clean. And this is the difference. This is the difference. You know, make it clean and sharp, crispy. This is it. But at the end, all images of all dentists should be comparable and not say, ah, this is because I remember one, one, one dentist, one famous dentist from Spain. He started many years ago of using bouncers 
and he, he mm. created this uh, this Photoshop look uh, in his images, and everybody said, "Wow, this is this is amazing." And my answer as as editor of a journal was, "Oh no, no, I hate this because I want a clear documentation that is repeatable and looks always the same. So if I take a picture of a patient today and in five and ten years, it should look the same. We cannot repeat that enough." Don't try to be artistic on your clinical daily documentation. There it's scientific photography. It's documentation. It's like taking an x-ray. You don't experiment mm -hmm. taking your x-rays, you know? Mm -hmm. And this should be how you use dental photography in the first place. This is 95% of your dental photography should be scientific standardized photography and then the rest the five percent you can you can freak out and do some uh, makeup work with your patients <laughs> and do shootings and uh, have put, put fun. a kiwi in the mouth yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> all this stuff all this stuff you're, you're free to do whatever you want you can freak out but again try to be consistent try to be standardized in your documentation because it's a legal document and it's not fancy fashion photography. I'm so glad I asked that because I wasn't expecting that, but uh, I'm, it, you're so right. Honestly, I never thought about that way before, but you're so right. Because like you said, when you take a photo from now and five years later, you want consistency, but wouldn't it be great as a dental community worldwide, that patient now moves somewhere else to a different country and that dentist that takes a new photo will also be calibrated with you. And I think that there is a lot of uh, beauty in that. And yes, we can have our fun for the 5%, for the after shots, for, for, the, for, the, you know, for the Instagram, for the gram, that kind of stuff. But I, I, I actually, I like what you said there. And, and I respect that a lot. Alessandro, uh, my last question before we uh, next time do a, a more advanced uh, discussion is, is this. The storage of your photos. Just tell us, talk us through the software that you would recommend, uh, the backup procedures that you recommend to actually store and organize uh, your photos. So basically I started, so there are different options. Option one is you have, uh, you have an an office administration software where you store your digital x-rays and you store also your dig digital photographs there. Option two, what I prefer because I have so many pictures that I think it was like overloading my, 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 my office administration. I started using a very simple folder, folder structure and I still have this folder structure. So name of the patient, number of the patient in my administration software and a keyword and you find everything. So, and then on top of this, I tried out all the different uh, libraries or tools. And recently, two or three years ago, I started using a software from France you, named KitView. KitView basically is a, is a software that allows the management of uh, digital data, not only photographs, but also x-rays and whatever you want. And the beauty of it is that I can transfer my images wireless to the software. So I select the patient in the software, I push the button and the, and the picture goes directly to the patient. But this is something, a workflow that I have to explain in detail, maybe in another session or um, because a lot of people have asked. And if you have it in the database, backup is crucial. So we are using a network attached uh, storage device 
one in my office and one at my home and all the data is synchronized. So this, this, this is in, in short terms, this is how I, so what, what my workflow of storage of my dental photography is all about. Brilliant. I think that's going to help some people to give them ideas about how they could be storing it. Uh, Alessandro, thanks so much for, for covering uh, some of the basics. I'm really keen to get out the the sort of um, your recommendation settings because it'd be so great to have that from you. So I'll reach out. Uh, I hope you have a good day at work today, but then we'll catch up and I'll get that out to everyone. And then also just to whet everyone's appetite for the advanced one. Uh, and it'll be great to have you on again. Thank you. Stay safe, stay healthy, and don't forget to push the button. So I hope you enjoyed that episode with Dr. Alessandro. Thanks for listening or watching all the way to the end. I hope you found some good nuggets in there so you can get started in taking consistent dental photographs, something which I think has probably been the most important tool in my personal and clinical development as a dentist. If you're listening on your favorite podcast player, do hit that subscribe button. And if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. So I'll catch you in the next episode, which is all about treatment planning 101. Back to basics, guys. It's almost finished because August is almost coming to an end, but don't worry, I always have Splintember ready for you. I'll catch you same time, same place next week. <laughs> <laughs>